last interview of the day. Um, this interview is with Joy Fatma. And once again, another person that I had no idea, <laughs> hadn't met, um, wasn't friends with on Facebook uh, before I interviewed her. So I'm so excited for you to hear her story and what the Lord's doing in her life. And, um, you know, I was just so encouraged by how the Lord um, has redeemed um, a horrible situation and, um, you know, something that was not from him. Uh, the, the devil is the one who comes to steal, kill, and destroy. And um, Joy went through some things, um, and I'll let her share about them, when she was young. And um, they were things that, you know, <laughs> could have been used to steal and kill and destroy. They were not from the Lord. But the Lord turned that situation around and um, has, yeah, just really uh, used um, that and used that through joy to transform people's lives and to give people hope that there is hope for healing um, in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so I'm so excited for you to hear from her and hear this last interview of the day. Um, and I'm, I'm just thanking the Lord for what he will do through her interview and through what she shares with you. Joy, thank you so much for joining me. Um, first off, could you give people just like a 30 second intro to who you are and what you do? Yeah, my name is Joy Fatma and I am the development director for Wings of Refuge. We are a nonprofit um, and we have a home in Iowa for survivors of sex trafficking. I'm also a mom to five now grown up kids as of last Sunday. My last child turned 18. So um, do learning that new season of life and that's just my 30 second commercial. <laughs> yeah, that's a big deal. So your youngest is now 18. That'll, yeah, definitely a transition time with that. Yeah, it's a whole new world. <laughs> so I'd love to step back and hear, you know, how you got into what you're doing, just kind of the background story um, for you personally, and then how it led into what you're doing now. Yeah, that is a loaded question. So um, a little bit about how in the world did I get to a place of having a home for survivors of sex trafficking? Um, I grew up knowing about Jesus and going to church and having access to the gospel. And so I grew up in a home where that was definitely happening for me from the time I was born, which was a gift. And I call it like the golden thread in my story. Um, and I also grew up in a home that was very chaotic and confusing. Um, There's a lot of abuse physical, sexual, and just emotional abuse in my home from my father. And so I really took on the lies as a little girl of small, trapped, and helpless. And those lies would pretty much dictate my life for decades. Also was, am created with a very passionate and visionary heart. So from a little girl age, I had big dreams of being on a stage and speaking to women and, and being in ministry, but those dreams really got buried deep um, from those lies and through what was happening through abuse. And so really, you know, as most stories go in these type of situations, my teenage years became pretty 
chaotic of some of my own choices and doing and really came to a place when I was 15. Um, I developed an eating disorder, bulimia and anorexia, and was sent to a treatment center in Dallas, Texas. And that first night in that in the middle of a big city in Dallas, Texas. I'm this small town girl from Iowa. I was locked behind steel doors. I was not allowed to call my family. I was strip searched. Everything was dumped out in the middle of the room. They told me what I could keep and what I had to um, give to them because it could harm me. And really that was my first bottom. Like I was at the bottom, like, God, I can't manage life on my own anymore. And if you're really the God that you say you are, I need you to come and save me. And I need you to come and save me from myself. And so that night in that dark, cold hospital room in the middle of Dallas, Texas, Jesus came and gave me a peace that I had never felt. And I knew that he was there. And I opened up my Bible to Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. And it says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart and don't lean on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he'll make your paths straight. And literally that was the night that the Lord started straightening out a lot of really crooked paths in my brain and in my story. And that really took me down a long, long road of many, many ups and downs um, through healing and through, you know, what it says in Romans that we are transformed by the renewing of our minds um, through that renewing of the mind process to where one day now um, that dream is actually playing out in real time. And I, and the Lord did put a calling on my life to speak and to walk alongside of women who have undergone horrific abuse and violation. Thanks for sharing your story. Yeah. Um, what, what does that look like for you right now in this season of your life? Uh, you know, you mentioned that the Lord put that calling on your life. And even as a young girl, you saw some glimpses of that and um, a vision that you wanted. Uh, what does that look like for you today and um, just how your calling and um, gifts are currently impacting other people? Yeah, so I think the biggest thing was, um, I don't know if many of you follow Christine Kane, but she'll refer to it like as the dark room, you know, like you have to go through the dark room. Um, probably in my 20s and 30s, I wanted to see this happen really quick, you know, like, why is this not happening for me, guy? Like, if this dream is in my heart, why is it not happening? And also at the same time, the lies of small trapped helpless and just a ton of shame was telling me, you're not good enough to do this. Who do you think you are? You're a failure, you know? And so there was that battle going on that the dream couldn't die and the lies were very loud. And so, um, first of all, it had to be a lot of really hard work on my own soul and my own thinking. And that time, I wouldn't wish anyone to have to go through brokenness like that. Um, but I also wouldn't trade how I learned to know the Father's heart and his love for people and not just checking off the boxes of the nice American Christian things that we're supposed to do living as Christians, but really knowing the love of the Father and experiencing the love of the Father and just sealing my adoption with him. And so how that plays out today is that I get to go and speak a lot um, to many, many people, thousands of people across our state each year, um, and just share what God did, like, come and see what the Lord has done, like, restoration is possible, 
that Jesus on the cross, he has an answer for abuse and violation. I think we see a lot of things right now with the Me Too movement going on and and just really uncovering dark things that have happened in our culture, which is great. Um, but I want to, you know, I want to have that answer of me too, and with hope in Jesus Christ. It's that we don't we don't stay stuck in suffering with the Lord. There is deep pain, and then it sometimes takes lifetimes to fully recover from. But healing is possible, and so we get to walk alongside of survivors who have been exploited, um, sometimes most of their life, sold for sex, 10, 20 times plus per day for sometimes most of their life. And walking alongside of women who have undergone that kind of abuse and violation by all levels of society is a hard call. It's one where you have to depend on the Lord Jesus Christ. And, um, and the Lord has allowed me to use what Satan meant for evil to take me out in abuse and violation for a catalyst of his glory and just have had really cool encounters of women who have found the love of Jesus through the calling that he's put on my life at Wings of Refuge. Uh, now, I know some people watching this, I mean, because I was in this place a couple of years ago where I was not aware of the extent um, of the sex trade within the u.s um and i'm still obviously not fully aware but uh I, I was shocked to hear about it and to hear how um pervasive it was and um so for me like i i knew okay well with pornography this is obviously going on um but i didn't know <laughs> i guess that was just the small glimpse that i had um so I, yeah, I would like for you to share with people um, just from from your perspective, um, just some of some of the inside knowledge that you have about that because uh, you've been working with people just to kind of um, make people aware of some of the things that are going on that they may not be aware of, um, you know, depending on their life experiences and what they've been um, confronted with. Right. Well, I think we're uncovering as a, as a culture what is sex trafficking and what does it look like today. I mean, we've always had this issue going on since, I mean, biblical times it was going on. And we are uncovering the issue and what it looks like today. So it's really hard to get specific stats and what does this really look like because it look, can look a number of different ways. But I'll just kind of touch on a few quick commonalities and things that we've learned. So from a global standpoint, um, there are over 27 million slaves in the world. So that's more than at the height of the transatlantic slave trade of the 1800s. So really more than any other point in human history um, is it's greater than that. And, and so it's a huge problem global, globally. Um, if you look at the issue nationally um, in the US, according to Polaris Project, which is an anti-trafficking organization in our country, um, sex trafficking has been documented um, in every state in America. So it's happening in every state. Um, if you look at it from a Midwest standpoint, or I, you know, I usually share Iowa statistics, um, it is happening here. But for me, uh, personally, I, I was kind of like you, you know, I thought, oh, it's that problem over there in third world countries. And what's, you know, a small town girl from Iowa supposed to do about 27 million slaves in the world. Um, but the Lord put this calling on our, 
on our lives along with about 12 other people. And we just began a movement of prayer, just saying, Lord, what do you want us to do about 27 million slaves in the world? And the Lord just had me start speaking and training and educating people on what was happening. And one night, it was when I met her in my state. I actually met the first survivor. She came, I was speaking at a college campus and she came and right before I began to speak, she said, the reason I came tonight is because you're going to tell my story. And then at that point, you know, she wasn't somebody I was reading about in a book or on a screen or hearing about at a conference. She was a real person and she was right in front of me. And so I knew the problem was real. And I knew that what the Lord was calling to us to was necessary. And it was a pretty helpless feeling because at that point we didn't have our home or anything. But thankfully the body of Christ just came around her. Um, the campus ministries there came around her. She got some mental health services and she's out of the life today and, and doing really well. We still keep connected with her, but that's kind of how we've seen the issue happening. But like, so a lot of the, the problem become or the question then becomes, you know, we see global nationally, you know, from the Midwest standpoint, but what does it look like for an individual? Like how in the world does a life end up in exploitation? And again, it can look many, many, many different ways. It's not, oftentimes, it's not like the movie Taken that everybody sees where a girl's kidnapped. Although we've worked with women that that has happened to them. Um, the majority of the time, it's, it's someone exploiting a person's vulnerability. So if there is a young girl who doesn't have a father, he'll become a father to her. If there's a substance abuse, abuse issue, maybe he'll start providing that for her. Maybe she's the third wheel in a friend group and she feels left out. So he'll start being a friend to her. Maybe she doesn't have a boyfriend and all the other girls do. He'll be a friend to her. And so we see that whatever that vulnerability is, a pimp who sells another person will prey on that vulnerability and, and gain trust with a woman. And then on the end of that, begin exploiting her and she'll have a horrific nightmare. And trafficking can look different too. There's no one way that trafficking looks. Um, it can be like gang and street related. It can be organized crime related, but it also can be a, a high school student selling another high school student. It can be um, a family member selling a child. Um, it can be all different kinds of, of, there's no one way. And so for to define it, it's really difficult. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned that there were 12 of you who the Lord kind of was laying this on your hearts at the same time. Um, I would love to hear more about that because um, that's one of the things that I was just thinking, you know, sometimes, well, the body of Christ, we all have different, different gifts, different callings, how that's going to play out within our own lives. Um, but then at the same time, you know, you're talking about this community of people who all have the same um, heart <laughs> and I'm sure there, you know, all of you are gifted in different ways, but I'd love to hear how that came about and, mm -hmm. um, just, yeah, how the Lord worked in that as a community, um, of people who, who were noticing this and, um, this was kind of what the Lord was laying on all of your hearts at the same time. Yeah. So my husband, the backstory that my husband, and I had kind of been on a journey of like, what does it mean to be a disciple and not just a Christian? And so we'd read the Francis Chan and Katie Davis and all sorts of stuff. And we were thinking like Africa and 
missions and orphans, which our heart is still deep and wide for and love. Um, but while we were on that journey, um, my oldest son was attending a training school in Texas, Dallas, Texas, interestingly enough. And he called me up one night and was like, mom, you've got to learn about sex trafficking because a team had come onto their campus and shown a documentary about it. And so um, he just wouldn't let that go. And he brought the video home during his Christmas break. My husband and I viewed the video and the Lord just broke my heart to what was happening. And so I kind of did something that we do nowadays with our social media, media capabilities. I just started like emotionally ranting on Facebook. <laughs> so there was no like scientific or highly spiritual thing that happened at this point. Um, and, but the funny thing was that yes, the Lord even used that because there were those people in our friend group who were already being burdening, burdened by sex trafficking. And we were kind of already walking alongside these people. However, we'd never talked about it collectively together. And so we purchased the rights to show that documentary that my son had shared with me publicly in two different theaters in Iowa. And that's how the rest of the 12 formed. And so we just began meeting together on a really regular basis. And it was really interesting because we were always like, we got to pray for this issue. We got to pray for the, the women that are caught up in this issue. We got to pray for the people who are exploiting others, you know, and it would always in the beginning come back that God was changing us. Like we would come back together. We would pray, we would fast. And they're like, yeah, we started, pray, but I'm like, but then God brought this up about, you know, this in my life. And he was really doing a work in us. And that's really when I began to do the tough work of healing from my own sexual abuse is the very beginning days. You know, I'd been through a lot of restoration at that point, but not specifically for a, the sexual abuse part. And so the Lord really started healing that. And then, um, yeah, it just, you, then you do all the things you have to do to actually have a nonprofit in the U.S. You know, you have to do all the, the articles of a corporation and forming a board of directors and all those business tasks. Um, and so we did that and we, and then after I had just begun speaking and I actually just met that first survivor I'd met, I spoke about earlier, our board of directors met because at this point we turned away two survivors and we still didn't have a home. And so that first year we met and decided that two things. We needed to know what our why was going to be. We needed to know how we were going to stay unified on the hard days. And that was going to be key. And it still is today. And our why formed, which is so exploitation ends for one more girl. So everything else may look chaotic. And, you know, maybe we don't know how God's going to provide the next day, or maybe this woman that we're supporting doesn't even act like she wants it, you know, but we can say, you know what, tonight when we lay down our heads on our pillows that nobody is exploiting this girl and it's a big deal to God and it's a big deal to us. And so that's going to be our win. And so that first year we, when we met as a board for a retreat, that why came out of that. And a second thing came out of that was we were not going to say no the next time we got a call for a survivor in need. And so that happened three months later, we began serving survivors, which was really cool. And you know what, it's a hard calling. Things have not always went well. I think when you talk about community, we like this like little kumbaya movement of everybody's getting along and love each other. It's just this one big beautiful thing. And if you read the scriptures, it didn't work out that way for the disciples either. either. <laughs> like some of them just like split up, you know? And so we have seen Wings of Refuge community um, 
love each other, struggle, grow, fail, succeed. Um, and, and the one thing that we have remained focused on is A, the one in front of us and the glory of the Lord. Um, because it's not, at the end of the day, it's not about me and what I can do. And it's not even about, it is about, but ultimately it's about the Lord's glory. And when we focus on that, it really takes all of the trappings of humans trying to work together, kind of just makes it fall away. And we have to do that sometimes more than one time a day. But the women that we get to serve and support and do life with that decide to live in our home is amazing community. Like I can't even describe to you we'll either be belly laughing or crying or our entire weaknesses will be drawn out on the table real quick in one day. And then the women that we get to live and do life with as part of our staff is incredible. And then it is just awe inspiring to know how many people have decided to give financially to our mission that God just lays it on their heart. And the people that pray for us yesterday, we were in a staff meeting and we, I had like 59 emails while I was in the staff meeting, but at the top of the list was one of our prayer warriors. And she's like specifically praying for us. And we're just like crying because she doesn't know we're in a staff meeting and she doesn't know that we're struggling on this next step thing. And like, she lays this verse out, like I'm pr specifically praying this over your ministry and over your lives. And it's like, oh my goodness, like you're just undone. So like we get to experience community at so many different levels. And like the body of Christ is ginormous. And it's huge. And when it works well together, like girls' lives get changed, like get plucked out of hell and they get to know their identity and value and worth in Jesus. And like, I kind of am an addict of that now. <laughs> yeah, I love how you share the all the different facets of community. You know, how that, um, how, you know, that specific group started, but then how there are still struggles and that still, you know, is messy. Um, but then also the community, okay, with the girls and with um, other people who are involved in the work, but may not be actually, you know, there ever, but they're still involved in the work through prayer and finances. And um, yeah, I think sometimes we think of the body of Christ. Okay. That's who you see on Sundays. Um, and so, I, yeah, I love that you're sharing all the different aspects of that um, and how you've seen that with the struggles too, because those, those are very real. Um, now you've mentioned a couple times about um, just seeing lives transformed and, um, and people not staying in the same place or not staying in just like the, oh yeah, that happened to me too. Um, I would like to hear uh, kind of <laughs> how that came about for you guys and figuring out how you were going to be actively involved and how you wanted it to be different than just, um, I don't know, counseling or, you know, someone sharing their story with their friends or on Facebook and then that's it, you know, because um, yeah. you talked about, you know, people coming to know the love of the Lord and how that mm -hmm. was so crucial for you. Um, mm -hmm. and then how you wanted that for other people as well. So I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. Okay. So are like, from my personal standpoint, um, you know, like I would say, I would say like I healed strategically, um, through counseling, like pray to God and drive to therapy is kind of my motto. <laughs> like everybody is healing from some sort of wound. So find a Christian counselor that can really walk with you to help 
um, uncover those lies and just really deeply plant the truth in you. Because this is a big thing I'm an advocate of. We can believe that God loves us and, you know, like, like we can believe, oh yes, God's good. He loves us. But the real healing and the power comes when we not just believe that God loves us, and other people believe that God loves us, but when we side with God and believe what is true about us with him, that's the game changer. That's when life changes. And I'm on a journey of still doing that. But, you know, when you believe with God that I am strong, I am the beloved of Christ. I am seated in high places with him. I am the head and not the tail. Like you don't just believe that God believes it, but you side with him and you believe it, believe it with him changes everything, changes everything for a believer. Um, and so I think we'll be on that journey until we see him face to face in heaven. Um, but we go from glory to glory and from strength to strength. And so I definitely am not who I was. Um, and then how we see that play out with survivors, I think was kind of the next question. Is that kind of what you were wondering? Yes, yes. Yeah. How it's how it's different than maybe another organization who might be doing this, you know, similar thing, but without the Lord, you know? Right, right. So we definitely are a Christ-centered organization, and we are very vocal about that, um, especially to the women that decide to come into our home. However, and it was very interesting because I was interviewed by the FBI before we opened our home and you know they were kind of vetting us out like what are you guys trying to do and question after question and in, inside you know I was like like what it, like we're doing this nice thing like why are they upset about this and finally and it was a lot of the faith-based questions and now this lady is dear to my heart an FBI agent and I looked at her and I said you know what I said we are gonna offer Jesus to these women but it's going to be their option if they decide to choose him or refuse him. And she looked at me and she said, that's what I needed to hear. She said, because we have seen so much spiritual abuse, even after people get out of a, a harmful situation where they're forced to believe and they're forced to do this and they're forced to do that. So from a Wings of Refuge standpoint, we are a Christ-centered organization, unashamedly so. And we also offer Jesus. Um, when you sometimes been sold to every level of society, including Christians um, and including pastors. Um, it's, it's a very fragile place to walk with survivors in. And so it starts with relationship. It starts with building a, a, a place of safety. Um, women who have not ever, like I oftentimes say, we're not a rehab, we're the hab, because there has been no baseline of safety in their lives. And that's hard for us to imagine. Um, oftentimes, some of them have had other experiences, but a lot of times there has not been a lot of safety in their lives. And so it starts with safety and relationship building and modeling. Um, and then over time, as trust develops and as safety begins to feel just a tiny bit normal, and that's where we really are able to dig in and share Christ with them um, as they're willing and able. And, and again, they don't have to convert to know Jesus to come into our home, um, but they do need to know that that's the point of restoration that we offer. Um, and, and so how have I seen that play out in women's lives? Um, 
oh, I could just tell you stories all day long. But um, so I'll just, the one that's coming to mind right now is we had a young woman who came in. She was actually recovered out of a sting that was done and put in jail for prostitution. But thankfully, the chaplain at the jail recognized that there were signs of human trafficking. And so he called the national hotline and then we got the call and we began meeting with her while she was in jail, realizing that she in fact was a victim. Then she was realizing she was a victim because oftentimes victims don't know that they're victims. It's just their life. And so we were able to work with both sides of the attorneys and charges were dropped, changed from prostitution to trafficking and she was released and decided to come to our home. She'd been through many, many foster homes. Um, birth parents were also exploitive. So again, there had not been a, a, a baseline of safety in her life as now a young woman. And so we just began doing life with her and somewhere along the line, she came to know Jesus and took him on in a big way. And so she is, was at our home probably almost two years at this point. And she, I, I do a lot of speaking, so I'm not like direct care with the girls every single day, but I go into the house a lot. And she's like, when are we going to go out for coffee? Every time I would come to the house and I'm like, well, get it in your schedule. We'll go out for coffee. And so um, we get out for coffee. We go out for coffee. I pick her up and we get to the coffee shop and she whips out all these papers on the table. And she's like, we're doing a one-on-one -on -one this morning, which at Wings of Refuge, a one-on-one -on -one is like a healing group and specific to their goals and everything. So like, okay, we're doing a one-on-one. -on -one. She's doing a one-on-one -on -one with me. Okay. So she's like, we're doing a one-on-one -on -one today. And it was all about forgiveness. And so she had Bible verses that she wanted me to look up. And she was asking me questions like, when have you struggled with unforgiveness? And when have you had to forgive? And then she was telling me about how she forgave her pimp and how she forgave her birth parents and how she began to be able to do that because of the forgiveness of Jesus and the love of the father in her. And I'm just like sitting there like, whoa, like this girl has been abandoned by everybody. And here she is on the other side of the table teaching me. And I just looked at her and I said, like, you are a woman who hears from the Lord, you know that. And she's like, well, you always tell me that. And I'm like, cause it's true. And here's why I said last night, my husband and I were at our small group together and when it t came time to like pray together, I just said I needed prayer because I was struggling with unforgiveness with someone. I didn't tell her that. <laughs> and here she was the very next morning and she had prepared this whole thing on forgiveness and it was just super impactful. So those are the kind of stories that we get to see um, God transform lives from hell to heaven, from unworthiness to worth. Um, and I could go through story after story. There's just a lot of good stories. No one walks out of Wings of Refuge all better. Um, when you have been violated at that, your healing's going to be lifelong. But they, they can walk from a level of wholeness and healing and restoration in Christ. Um, again, and then they go from glory to glory and from strength to strength. And some girls walk out deciding that, you know what, I don't want it and relapse. And that's tough. But again, that's where we focus on the glory. We focus on we're obeying Christ and what he's asked us to do, not in the results of a person's choices. And so that keeps us going. Thank you so much for sharing. Yeah, that's awesome to see the Lord. The Lord knows everything about people's hearts. So seeing that when, you know, he is working with 
these women, but also working through these women. Like, okay, yeah. if, you know, if they're, you know, like that, that girl, okay, if she's yielded to the Lord, he can do incredible things through her. Just like if we're yielded to the Lord, he can do incredible things through us. Things that, you know, someone couldn't plan. <laughs> Absolutely. That's awesome. Um, I would love to hear some of how this has impacted your family. So this is, you know, something that you've been um, working on and um, working with people all throughout, you know, as your kids are growing up, things like that. Um, what are some of the ways that this, this calling and the things that the Lord has laid on your heart, how it's impacted your family? Yeah, that's a loaded gun question. <laughs> um, it has impacted our family in two ways. Um, the first way, you know, like I think it's in Isaiah where it says the true fast that the Lord loves is to look after Lord widows and orphans and not to forsake your own flesh and blood. Wow. I am getting emotional. I have no idea why. Okay. So because it's been a journey. Um, so like above this calling the Lord has on my life, like my little girl, big dream was being a mom. Like mom is my first ministry. I love having kids. I love being a mom. And that has as you well know, is the biggest ministry of what I believe in a woman's life. And um, so, yeah, so my kids and we are a blended family. So we have that clinker in there. And so that gets challenging at times. And when we began Wings of Refuge, our kids were like preteen. So we're going through preteen blended family, starting a ministry to sex trafficking survivors. <laughs> And it's the perfect storm. No. Um, so anyway, um, in the beginning, like our kids got to see that whole process, which is really cool. Like the small, you know, it says like, do not despise the small beginnings. The Lord loves to see the plumb line and the work begin. And so they got to, you know, I, I a couple of years ago, I dug out some things and like my youngest son, when we were looking for our logo, like he had helped sketch logos with our team. And so like those kind of things, they just got to be a part of and kind of see it happen and evolve, which is really cool. Um, it's also been extremely hard on our family because when you make a decision to follow Jesus in places that hell would like to keep dark, there will be opposition in the heavenly realms. That's just, that's just part of what we do. Um, I have had to let go of a lot of fear um, on that, but we also, also take that seriously. So like we have, we have a teen team of strategic intercessors. We take safety precautions because this is a dark, dark, dark world, but we also, you know, go forward with the light and the victory of Jesus Christ. And so there has been a lot of attacks on our family, you know, from, from Satan. <laughs> and, and it's also to a place where when you start a nonprofit, the work is never over. Like there's, the work is not ever done. Our home is open 365 days a year, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. The work is not ever done. And so I, came to a place probably two years in where I uh, quite honestly I was a shell of a woman because the the level of things that I had heard from women that we've walked beside um and then just the enormity of the the business aspect of running a nonprofit 
and raising teenagers in a blended family while your husband is, you know, doing his thing. So I had to really take a step back and really go part-time and like set some boundaries. Like my family needs me. And so that place, um, and in that my, one of my sons had to have a brain surgery. So let's just put that in there. <laughs> uh, actually two brain surgeries. A, a few years later, he had to have another one. And so it's really, um, I had to get to that place where I had to let go of a lot of things. And, and in ministry, you have to learn your lane. So our lane is restoration as an organization. But then I had to learn my lane of what roles do I play in this organization? And what roles does God not have me playing and have other giftings at the table for? And so once I let go of that, then I could operate again as, as a ministry leader and as a mom. And so, but I have to check myself all the time with that. In this work, we have to check ourselves. And we also like the whole buzzword, I think self-care, I don't know if it's out in the rest of the world, but like, it's definitely in my world. And so it's a real thing. Like, you know, when Jesus went away, like to get away, like, um, to explore the wonders of his love. It's not, I'm a really deep passion filled visionary. And so I'm like, hi, I'm joy. How's your soul? You know, and like, let's talk about all of it and uproot all the lies and get healing. And I've had to learn that God made beaches for a reason. Like the sound of the ocean is very healing and, and my family is so important. So there was a time where it was really difficult for our family um, at a lot of different levels and sometimes still is, but there's also like, my son loves to, he's a great public speaker now because he's went with me to so many speaking events and he has super big passions of his own heart. And I've seen like, so you see the beauty and the hard things play out in your kids' lives being part of a ministry. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing that too, because sometimes, you know, we focus on one side um, you know, like, okay, this is the ministry. And it's like, well, that is impacting every other area as well. Or you focus mm -hmm. on, okay, well, this is what's going on with the family. Well, that also is impacting every other area. So thank you for, yeah. for sharing all of that. Um, yeah. Uh, what is something that the Lord is teaching you right now in this season or something recently that maybe keeps coming up for you or you feel like, um, the Lord has given you insight on something recently? Oh, trying to think of where to go here. I think from a personal standpoint, um, as a mom, one of the big things, and this is really cool, is like, if, if any of you are out there like have little ones, like I love babies, I love toddlers, I love little kids, teenagers, uh, that wasn't my favorite part of parenting. I'm just going to be honest. But now my kids are becoming adults. Like, it's super cool. Like, I love having adult children. And so I think one of the things the Lord is teaching, but it's also not easy because you're like, like, you know, as when you have little ones, you can totally just, let's just be honest, control the circumstances and environments and situations. And with adult kids, you can't. And, and you shouldn't. And so I think for me is really learning to trust the Lord for my kids and just like my new ministry of prayer for them and seeing that begin to play out in real time. Um, and then there's just this joy. I, I have a daughter-in-law now. I'm one of my sons has a very 
serious girlfriend and just the joy of seeing that evolve. And even though it's not perfect, like it's just joyful and, and just letting, trusting God for their adult lives. So that's a big thing, I think personally that God's showing me. And then with our organization, um, my job is development. So my job is to raise funds so that our doors stay open. And I am not a numbers person. I believe that if the Lord wants us doing ministry, he's going to provide. But I've also had to learn that without a plan, the people perish. So like to learn that strategy in ministry is important and also just the miracles of the Lord. When we first developed our budget for what it would cost the first year to run Wings of Refuge, our board of directors sat down line by line, planned that out. We didn't tell anybody what that number was. It was the first Thursday of December, I think in 2014. And Christmas Eve day, we got a call from a lady I had shared our mission with for like 15 minutes earlier that summer. And she donated the amount of that, which was $250,000. So we knew that the Lord was in. So my job is to raise funds and that can get overwhelming. So again, trust that God has this. Um, doing restoration is expensive and messy and hard. And so just a, a dependence upon the Lord. And now that, you know, doing a lot of speaking and teaching and, and people care about this, I, I love the fact that this is like a bipartisan issue. It's a human issue. Christians care about it. You know, the secular world cares about this issue. It's, a, it's, it's kind of an issue that unless you're a buyer of pimp, we all agree that sex trafficking is not a good thing. And so that's awesome and, and getting a lot of vis visibility in that, but that there's also a cost to that and to just really be mindful to let the Lord and the Holy Spirit lead in those places of visibility. Yeah, thanks. Thanks for sharing that. Is there something that you feel like the Lord has put on your heart recently to share with other people? Um, or yeah, something that you've, you've noticed recently or just something that um, you think he's given you to share with others? The big passion of my heart is that everyone would know their true identity in Jesus Christ. That um, I think big, obviously for me, sexual abuse, and it's very rampant in our culture, um, that it does not have the last say in people's stories or lives. It, it's not who you are, it's what happened to you. And, and not even if it's sexual abuse, it could be a physical thing, it could be divorce, it could be whatever that, that thing is for you that almost took you out. Like it is the catalyst for God's greatest glory in your life if you're willing to heal from that wound and to believe with God what's true about you. Um, I think, you know, we can look at the times in our culture and think that it's pretty dark and hopeless and everybody's, you know, trying to be their own God with their own soapbox saying their own things. But I was just reading this actually this morning in Psalm, Psalm 76, and it says that human defiance only enhances the glory of God. So the dark times that we may feel as believers um, are actually just pointing people to Jesus. Like the rebellion only leads to the fact that we can't be our own. Um, you know, everybody wanting to have their uh, 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 me too moments, which is great. We need to find our voices, but then what leads to a hope and a great, and a greater thing. And what is that? It's Jesus Christ, you know? And so I just want to offer the church hope, um, to stand up 
and to not white knuckle on to fear and isolation and their own shame, but to heal and grow as the body into the beauty and the bride that we are so that we can be the answer for these dark times so that we can bring that light into dark places. And whether that's maybe our own little four-year-old who's dealing with shame about something, it doesn't have to be on the stage. It doesn't have to be in a vlog. It doesn't like, it can be the, like so many times my biggest moments of restoration have been when I've just been across the table with one of my kids or whoever that is like those big moments, those small things are no small things for the Lord. Thank you so much for sharing joy. I've, very much enjoyed hearing, um, yeah, just everything that the Lord has done with your life and how you're walking with him now. And like you said, you know, learning to trust him, um, how that's an ongoing process, you know, glory to glory. You didn't arrive. <laughs> it's, it's an on, ongoing process. So thank you for sharing. Um, where can people go to find out more about you and what you do? Yeah. So you can go to our website at wingsofrefuge.net and there's information there if you wait i think by the end of this oh gosh tomorrow is friday we are having a complete website overhaul so we're gonna have a brand new website either today or tomorrow and it's gonna be amazing so there's tons of info there on wings of refuge and our facebook is a very active community so wingsofrefuge.ia on facebook um you can follow us like us there and just keep updated with what's going on in our ministry Thank you so much, Joy. And I'll put those links uh, below the interview as well. So thank you so much for sharing, Joy. Yeah. Thank you, Steph. As you were listening to this podcast, you felt like the Lord brought something to mind that he wants you to do. If that sounds like you, then I have something for you. We have a monthly paid community specifically for women who feel called to more. My goal is to encourage you, to strengthen you, to build you up as you seek to obey whatever the Lord is calling you to do, whether that is to write a book to start a business or go in a new direction with your current business, to start a podcast or a YouTube channel, or to help a specific group of people that the Lord has put on your heart. Or maybe you feel called to more, but you're not quite sure what that would look like yet. Whatever He is calling you to do, I want to walk with you through that process. As you seek to do it not just for Him in your own strength and wisdom, but to do it with him, following his lead and relying on him every step of the way. For more details, go to createdforstrength.com community. And right now, you'll also get a Created for Strength t-shirt with your first month's membership. Woohoo, a t-shirt! Now, I know that if the Lord is calling you to more, then this group will be helpful to you in knowing how to walk this thing out with him and in his strength. So go to createdforstrength.com community to get the t-shirt and to check out the community.